I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians, and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to a very special episode. It is episode 250. Joining us for the momentous occasion is the lovely UK singer-songwriter, Fen Lilly. As of today, she's released her brilliant third record titled Big Picture. Before we get into today's episode, make sure you're subscribed to the pod on whatever streaming app you use for podcasts. And if you feel like it, please leave a review or a rating as that always helps. Also, please make sure you follow us across all of our socials. Details for those can be found in the episode show notes. Our guest today is Fen Lilly. The Dorset-born but now New York-based singer and songwriter is today releasing her gorgeous third record titled Big Picture. Fen is a folk singer and songwriter who has been making music since she was 15 and she first came to the attention of the public with her self-released debut record, On Hold, back in 2018. She's now signed to indie label Dead Oceans, which sees her share a roster with artists like Mitski, Japanese Breakfast and more. This new record, Big Picture, is a brilliant addition to Fen's catalogue of music and it chronicles the more honest side of love and kind of what happens once you reach that happy ending and whether it's for better or for worse. I don't want to throw around too many comparisons, but I feel like this record does kind of put Fen in the category of a modern-day Joni Mitchell. And whether Fen would agree with me or not, I'll leave that with her and with you. Please have a listen to this record. It is definitely worth your time. Um, in today's episode, we're speaking to Fen about the reality of releasing an album in 2023 and what it is like from the artist's perspective. We discuss how some of her previous songwriting was written, maybe in a past or future tense, but how this record seems to be written in mostly a present tense in what's going on in the moment. Um, we talk about the delicate nature of the record and we do discuss my favourite track, Superglued, which I absolutely love. Uh, we also talk about our mutual friend and please note I use that term very loosely at least for myself we have a discussion with Fen about her mate Christian Lee Hudson who does play on this record and who she is touring the US with later this year we have left all of Fen's details in the show notes so that you can buy or stream Big Picture and you can find out all of her tour dates across the year We also want to give a huge shout out to Ashling from Play It Again Sam here in Australia for her help with this episode. Here is our conversation with Fen Lilly. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Fen Lilly. Hello, how are we? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. You are joining us from New York. Yes, I am. Where are you? We're in Australia. We're in Adelaide, Australia. Adelaide. It's wild to me that every city in Australia has like a different time zone. Maybe not all of them, but am I right? You're not far off the mark. I think two share a time zone, but the rest all have different ones, which just does seem ridiculous, really. It's crazy. I guess it's <laughs> you guys are a big country. Yes. Um, yeah, I, thanks, for, thanks for your time. No, of course. I very much appreciate um, how busy you are at the moment. There's a lot going on for you. There is a, a brand new record that is coming out this week called Big Picture. So firstly, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> how are you with each... This is the third record from yourself, I think, um, on hold and breach for the previous two. How are you each record cycle or each, yeah, every time the the machine kind of starts back up again when you're releasing a record? Uh, It's kind of like having, like I, like we have birthdays every year, but every, and every time I release a record, I think I'll deal with the pressures of it better and feel like I don't need uh, to be comforted all day when it comes out, but I think that that's probably how I'm going to feel. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird thing. Putting putting anything into the world is strange, especially a record because it takes so long to make and so little time to consume, I guess. It's like making a meal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty good <laughs> analogy. It is, it is something that you, like any artist and, and sometimes more time than others but it is something that you spend years on creating and putting every little last thought into that then can be over within what 58 minutes or so yeah yeah and I I think I mean I don't have a problem with putting in work uh or a problem with nobody knowing exactly how much work went into something um, I almost hope that it sounds like not too much stress went into it. <laughs> There's nothing worse than trying to enjoy something and uh, you can hear how difficult it was to get to that place <laughs> for the person who's showing it to you. Yes. Um, yeah. Like, take going back to the the food analogy, if a chef brings a meal out and they're like crying <laughs> and being like, I really need you to like this. Um, yeah, I'm I relaxed. Think, I'm feeling good. Yes, no, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It is, a, um, it is a beautiful record. We were very lucky enough to have a listen uh, to it before it came out. So thank you very much for that. It is sonically, it's gorgeous. Lyrically, it's gorgeous. And I don't think that fans of yourself would expect any different Um I was hoping to talk a little bit about the the songwriting perspective, I guess, to begin with for the record, because I think that the previous two records were written from a place maybe of looking back or a um, somewhat retrospective, but this seemed to be a lot more lyrically, a lot more present, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, someone said to me recently that depression is fixation on the past and anxiety is a fixation on the future and I think while I was writing this record because it was mid lockdown in the UK I don't know about you guys but for us lockdown lasted 
roughly a year and then it lifted and then we went back into it. We had like four rounds of lockdown. It was like like a new iPhone model. It was just like constantly like <laughs> lockdown 3.0, lockdown 4.0. Mm-hmm. So I think if in that time I'd been looking backwards to how life was before and looking forwards to how life might be if lockdown 5.0 didn't come around. I mean, I was doing that, but I think if I focused too much on that uh, past future uh, idealization, then I would have gone fully mad. I just went a tiny bit mad. And I think I was, I was really consciously trying to write about the relationship I was in at the time and trying not to write about past relationships necessarily this is the first record that I've written or the first collection of songs that I've written while uh, being with somebody. And it was also the first time I'd ever lived with somebody that I was dating. So I was trying to kind of create a lasting record of that love and all of the parts of that love that weren't necessarily positive or, uh, or maybe even worth documenting necessarily. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely trying to focus on exactly what was happening, um, which is something I've never really tried to do before. Um, it was hard. It's hard to focus on it, it, what's happening at the time and not uh, look back and forward. That's what I was going to ask, because I can imagine it It can be, um, what is the word, that if, if you're analyzing things within a relationship that is still active that is still you're still present in some i can imagine it has both pros and cons but it can maybe bring up details that you weren't even maybe looking for or realizing until you'd gone actively looking for inspiration if that makes sense oh yeah it's a dangerous it's a dangerous <laughs> game because i think as well i mean this isn't an original uh, observation. This is something that Nick Cave says in uh, one of his documentary movie things, but uh, he talks about songs as being prophetic and uh, the process of songwriting being at the same time a reflection of how you know you feel, but also a reflection of the stuff that you're trying not to feel or you don't want to address yet or that hasn't even happened, but you're feeling like it might. So while I was trying to write about this love that I'd found and all of the ways that it was changing for the good and the bad, there were also things that were coming up that I was hoping weren't true, like that I wanted to be alone again, despite the fact that I I loved this person, I wanted space in more than just a physical way, I wanted to experience things and be scared again and be uncomfortable again. But I was really trying not to feel that because I didn't want to lose this person. But through the process of writing, a lot of that uh, that kind of theme, that kind of thinking wove its way in, into the lyrics, kind of against my will. But uh, yeah, I, I really hate it when people are like, is songwriting cathartic for you? Because I'm not so sure what they want me to say. I guess they want me to say yes and then expand on it. I don't think it's cathartic necessarily. It's more like 
irritatingly clarifying sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's too much information. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, personally, I feel like I've been guilty of maybe asking that once or twice in, in my career of doing this. So, um, well, as long uh, as you're not planning to ask me, you can keep going. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I think it is it because I think that there's a confusion, and maybe this is what I learned from asking it a few times. There's a confusion with um, catharticness, and as you said, kind of clarity, because I feel that there's meant to be a a release or a relief in in something that is cathartic, and that sometimes it, as you said, it's more clarity, it's more realization, or more kind of understanding your own thoughts on it, which necessarily doesn't make it a good thing. Um, so I think that I can very much appreciate that, uh, in, in terms yeah, of, yeah, it's also like any, any kind of, just to jump in, sorry, something just occurred to me. Uh, the idea of catharsis kind of gives a, pr like puts pressure on something that otherwise doesn't need to be put pressure on. You don't need to, well, I try not to think about the end result when I'm making something, especially when I'm writing, as soon as you introduce the idea of catharsis or like some kind of healing through the through finishing a song or like finishing anything it becomes a means to an end or something like that which yeah. i think is yeah something to avoid yeah um, if you're it's not genuine at that point right almost. exactly yeah yeah um do you remember your first interaction with songwriting in terms of like how you came across that it was like that you had an interest in doing? Yeah, I uh, I spent a year out of school when I was, uh, I don't even know how old I was, maybe I was like six. I just didn't want to go to school anymore, so my parents <laughs> let me not go to school anymore. And But they wanted me to take lessons. Uh, so I did like Spanish lessons. Uh, I made, I did dressmaking lessons. <laughs> I did all these weird cool. lessons. And I did... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then I did piano lessons as well. And my piano teacher was so cool. He was called Rob McAvoy. And he was <laughs> uh, he was just incredible at every instrument. And I didn't practice nearly enough, and I think it frustrated him. But whenever I watched him playing the parts that he was trying to teach me to play, I was so impressed by it. Just like fluidity of any kind at that point was amazing to me because I was a kid and bad at everything. Um, so the first, the first songs in air quotes that I wrote were piano songs. Um, and just the feeling of like, I could do anything here. Uh, and it doesn't matter was really exciting. Mm -hmm. And then, cause I, I was a really serious child. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever met a serious child. It's really unsettling I was very concerned <laughs> with like being taken seriously mm -hmm. so when it came to music I was uh interested to find that there wasn't a rule or like a way to be that made me feel like I'd won or I'd lost it was like a nice space that was just mine also no one in my family is musical so that was cool no one's uh trying to help me or or anything so that was like my first, my first uh, compositional memory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that's kind of cool. I like that it started from, I feel like we speak to a lot of artists where it's like I really enjoyed um, not even journaling. There's nothing wrong with journaling, but more so I really liked this aspect of like certain popular artists. So I tried to do this and I tried to do that. And I feel like yours has maybe come from a, ooh, a much more organic place where it sounds like there wasn't as much pressure on oneself, except for the being a serious child part of it. Right. No, don't get me wrong. I also did the, um, that was when I, that was when I was a kid kid. And then when I was like, I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think maybe 11 or 12, I remember so clearly learning a Coldplay song and doing it at a school talent show. I think it was Yellow. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my performance of the song, the teacher who was like running the talent show was like, well, Fen, that was beautiful. Did you write that? And I said, <laughs> yes. And everyone thought I'd written Yellow by Coldplay. Apart from the people that already knew the song, probably nobody thought I'd written it. Everyone just thought I was lying, <laughs> which I was. Um, no, I definitely like tried to imitate other people that I thought were cool. Um, and that's why I started playing guitar because... Nobody that I was really listening to was a was a pianist, uh, apart from Joni Mitchell. But I wasn't even slightly uh, good enough to learn any of the any of the Joni Mitchell piano parts. So yeah, I definitely mimicked mimicked a lot of people until I found that I didn't have to, and I could just sing how I sing. That was a nice realization. Of course. Do you have a um, a preference? Being. Uh a multi-instrument, a multi-instrument, oh my God, I can't even say it, a multi-instrumentalist, um, then <laughs> do you have a preference for what you write on when it comes to creating songs or at least demoing? Yeah, I absolutely gravitate towards guitar mm-hmm. just because I probably just force of habit at this point, but there are definitely, there are a couple of songs on this record that started on piano. There are no songs on the second record that started as piano songs, but for this record, uh, there's a song called In My Own Time that was just a uh, a lyricless piece of piano music. And then I showed it to my friend back in Bristol 
And I was like, I kind of want to write a song on this, but I don't know what the melody would be because there's already a melody. And he was like, just use the melody that you've written in the piano and sing that. And I was like, you're a genius. That is a great idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, guitar. I like the feeling of being kind of hunched. Well, you can see me hunched over in the dark right now on this Zoom call, but I like hunching over in the dark in a corner kind of singing almost into the guitar that's a nice feeling for me i feel almost too proud when i'm sitting at piano it's like i can feel yeah, I vulnerable can appreciate that, those feelings <laughs> there yeah. is um there is one song what was it uh I, i'm i'm gonna be a little bit selfish so i hope that you'll indulge me um i wanted to talk about my favorite song on the record which uh does feature more guitars than maybe then piano was um, was super glue. I kept coming back to that song. Mm. The electric guitar that comes in in the chorus or midway through the song is Chef Kiss. I know that people can't see me doing that on a podcast, but hopefully they hear the noise. Um, would you be able to just give us a little bit of a behind the scenes or a, a, a story of where that song kind of came from or was born from? Yeah, that's that's an unsung... Uh, ooh, pun. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's the to me that's that was always one that I knew would be on the record and I was when we came to cut the track list down because I had too many songs the vast majority of people were like I don't think the album needs that one and I was like no you're wrong it does I I definitely need this song to be on the record so I'm really happy that you said you liked it um Yeah that is actually a combination of three songs I've done this one time before there's a song called Someone Else's Trees on Breach. That's a combination of three songs. But um, I wrote the, the bulk of it in one sitting. Uh, do you know the artist Dora Jar? Yes. I've been following her on Instagram for a while, since like the, the beginning of COVID, and she was posting. She's just a really brilliant guitar player and uses voicings that I... I'd never used before and uh, I was just watching a bunch of her videos being like I'd like to write a guitar part that was like spooky and just kind of flowed through and changed way too many times for what I'm used to and yeah through watching her videos and having a I just had a piece of writing that I'd already pre-written in front of me and I just sang whatever came to mind over this guitar part that I'd written and it came together immediately, which makes me sound smug. This never happens to me. This isn't <laughs> normally how things go for me. It's normally like a really long-winded war of attrition. Uh, but yeah, this was, it was smooth. And then uh, I just mashed it together with a with an unfinished song that was in the same key. And then the guitars that you're talking about, uh, for this album, I was really keen to encourage my band uh my bandmates instincts because they're all brilliant musicians uh and i have only ever played with them like show wise with the exception of joe my guitarist um and they they play the parts that are, already exist but for this album i was i really wanted to see what they would play and see how they would interpret the songs as i'd already written them um, and the parts that Joe adds on Superglued are, yeah, they're some of my favourites also. Uh, shout out to Joe. 
<laughs> Thank you very much, Joe, for your your contribution to the record and to the to the bandmates. I know that yeah, you, your band, your touring band, did play on the record. Um, and in, in relation to what you just said, in terms of seeing how they interpret it, because I wanted to chat about some of the other people who contributed. So the band, and I know that um, I believe a friend of yours that I'm going to talk uh, about touring with in a second, but um, a, maybe, maybe not a friend of ours, but a, an acquaintance. We've had him on the podcast a few times. We filmed something with him when he was in Australia last week. Um, Mr. Christian Lee Hudson also plays on this record. Um, I am curious how what what it's like when you are getting people to come and play on your record that they're not necessarily collaborating with but you want them to be able to interpret it how what's that fine line between not being bossy but <laughs> being able to still retain what you want it to sound like with allowing them a little bit of freedom i mean i think i've been pretty lucky um definitely with yeah, Joe, Kane, and James, my touring band, that I just know that their instincts reflect my tastes because we've been playing together for so long. So that's kind of easy to navigate, and it's also easy for them to tell when I don't like something because they can read me now. <laughs> but definitely bringing other people in is it's, it's scary because yeah, I don't want to be bossy, I don't want to be judgy or too quick to jump in in with an opinion about something that's only just started to be formed but I also got so lucky with Christian because he he's he's so his instincts are very well matched to my taste and I think that other people who've worked with him will say that too it's not uh independent of my experience that he can read a vibe and read a room and see what it needs and not overplay. I think that the curse of musicians in general is overplaying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he, he didn't do that. And uh, yeah, we actually ended up re-recording a song. Um, there's a song called Red Deer Day that when I brought the record back from North Carolina, I didn't like the way that it had been recorded, this particular song. So Christian and Melina uh, from JSOM and I went into Melina's studio for a day and tracked the whole thing. And Christian played every instrument apart from drums and acoustic. And he's, uh, yeah, I just, I said, I like this particular Howdy song. And he was like, right, let's use that as a template. (laughs) And kind of immediately understood the assignment if we're talking about like in meme language or whatever. Yeah. I mean, going back to your original point it's it's always scary to let people into something that means a lot to you, hmm. but not be so intense about how much it means to you. Like you don't want to be a helicopter parent, but you also don't want to be like, yeah, I love it. And then a month later be like, we'll have, we're cutting it from the record. I can't deal with that anymore. Um, but yeah, I think just picking people, picking smart, sensitive people is uh the way forward with that i think that is a smart choice i don't want to tie it all the way back to the start but almost an an example that you used before in terms of the chef coming out and sweating please like my meal it's almost like again yeah not letting them know exactly the the depth of what it means to you i mean i i would 
I would argue against my point now that you've vocalized it like that because I think it is important <laughs> that people know how much something means to you because you want them to be careful with it. But let's move from a from food pun to food uh, analogy to, to babies. Mm-hmm. If you give someone your baby, they know that it means a lot to you because it's a baby and you made it and they will treat it with as much care as they're able to based on the fact that it belongs to you. And I think that that, that's the way that everyone that has worked with me on this record has treated these songs. Like, these are your creation. I'm just here to help out. I'm not trying to take it away from you or hurt it. Mm -hmm. So just let me know if I'm doing anything wrong and we'll go from there. Um, I, I really is, love talking in analogies. This is very fun for me. <laughs> I, 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 I am actually very much loving this conversation. And I do, yes, I, I realized that I, my articulation of using the food analogy and bring, bring it back might have been incorrect. Um, so thank no, you. For I, I love a callback. I love a callback <laughs> and I love arguing with a point that I made. It's fun. <laughs> Um, Ben, you are going on tour with Christian across the US, um, I believe this summer, this US summer. Um, What can people expect from these shows? Uh, Christian and I were joking and trying to come up with some uh, potential titles for the the tour. Uh, We were going to call it It Won't Get Loud. So, (laughs) I mean, that could be expected probably. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know if you've ever been to either of our shows. Uh, probably just expect that. Mm-hmm. But um, Christian's going to be playing a bit in my band, and I'll help out in his. And yeah, this will be the first time that I've played. Um, I've played these songs to an audience. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to expect from this tour. I'm just excited. I think co-headlines are such a cool way of expanding a fan base in kind of an organic way where there's no... Like, supporting someone is obviously brilliant. Um, but you always kind of feel like you're stealing someone else's crowd in a way. Mm. Like, uh, everyone's there for somebody and you're kind of tagging along. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love doing support tours but I think co-headline it kind of just feels like a almost like summer camp in a way like we did one with Illuminati Hotties last year and it kind of felt like we were like a traveling circus or something (laughs) like a variety show Uh, so yeah I'm not sure what to expect hopefully um, no massive disasters or ego freakouts but I'm I'm sure everyone can hold it together I I don't have any doubt that that is the case, but um, fingers crossed regardless. <laughs> um, I, I know it's kind of a bit of a cliche question to ask, but it do, it does have to be asked um, as we'll, we'll have people asking, why didn't we inquire, um, can we expect to see you in Australia at any point kind of supporting the record and touring down here, Christian or Sans Christian? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a long way to go. <laughs> no, I absolutely 100% want to come to Australia. Uh, yeah, I was, I was speaking to Christian about his shows over there and he said it's wild. So, yeah, I mean, no concrete plans, but I definitely want to. 
I uh, I get some I get messages from people being like, come to Portugal, come to Spain. I never get come to Australia, so maybe you should drum up some uh, some Instagram spammers to to push the point home. You leave um, that with me, and I will I will start that. Um, <laughs> is there a I think for what is it? BTS has the um, the uh, BTS Army. I think Beyonce has the Beehive. What is the um, what is the Fen Lily equivalent of a fan base? Uh, <laughs> I haven't thought about this. Is it the kind of thing you can name yourself or do you have to kind of wait for it to naturally arrive? It's like giving yourself a nickname. <laughs> I don't know. The uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll start a Twitter poll before the uh, Elon Musk monthly charge kicks in and I have to stop <laughs> tweeting forever. Um, I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. I would love a collective now. All right. Now, now I've got two things on my plate. We'll work out what the collective name is, and then we will gather the Australian contingent of that collective <laughs> to to um to get you down here. Dishing out jobs. I'm sorry, you've got a lot on now. <laughs> I'm more than happy to. It's a job I'll, I'll gladly take. Um, then, <laughs> lastly, we would usually ask our guests what they're listening to. Is there anything that's kind of on um, high rotation for yourself at the moment? Hell yeah, I love this question. Uh, Anna Tivill released a record maybe last year not sure when it was released can't remember the name Uh, the whole I mean the whole thing is amazing but there's a run of songs from like track three to track six there's a song called Astro Van on there that that falls in that run of songs it's just the perfect the perfect playlist the perfect order her voice is insane it's I was listening to, I was in LA for a month and I find LA to be very sad (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's making me try and be happy because there's like sun and everyone's like beautiful and going to bed early and drinking (laughs) green juice. And I was walking around listening to this record being like, thank fucking God for this person and the words that I'm hearing right now. This is making me feel so much more sane. So that I highly recommend. Um, Oh, I want to make some good choices. What have I been looping? I mean, the last Aldous Harding record, it's just that song Fever, where she's like, Fever! I can I can <laughs> apply that melody to any two-syllable word, and it's become a joke in our household. <laughs> I'm just kind of shouting it throughout the house. Uh, my friend's band from Bristol are releasing some really good music at the moment. The band is called Langkammer. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like uh, they're kind of like the British MJ Lenderman. Okay. Um, also, I recommend listening to the MJ Lenderman record if you haven't listened to that. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's like English cowboy music, which I'm hugely into. That's very cool. I definitely will be checking that out after after we wrap uh, a conversation up, not before. Um, then. Thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. I do appreciate it. Congratulations on Big Picture. Um, but yes, thank you uh, for coming on and hopefully we will see you in Australia once we've worked out the collective name and, and brought everyone together. Yeah, we'll start an email thread. We'll get people involved. Thank you so much for having me. This has been <laughs> very enjoyable. 